back to the Sideline Live podcast. You can follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at the Sideline Live. We'd love to hear from you. On episode 95, I'm glad to be joined by Irish underage international and recent NCAA graduate Matt Tracy. In this episode, Matt gives an honest insight into what it's like to go to America on a basketball scholarship, the ups and downs of the journey, the recruiting process, junior college and so much more. I hope you enjoy Hi Matt, thanks so for joining me on the podcast. Oh boy, good to be here. Before we get into everything, would you mind giving a quick uh, minute intro to listeners who might not know who you are? Of course, um, my name is Matt Tracy, I'm 23 years old from Dublin. Um, I've just come back from the United States, just graduated after playing over there for the last five years. And I'm just home in Ireland, so that's that's my gig. Very good. Who or what got you involved in basketball? Um, I actually started quite from a coincidence. I've been playing since I was five years old, but I'm not, I don't come from a basketball family. No one else in my family ever really played. Um, I started with Tolka, just a local club. They had like a little academy running for the kids and it was really just something for me to do. Like I played a bit of everything. I played football, hurling a lot. So it was uh, just kind of another thing for me to do when I was a kid growing up and fell in love with it from there. Brilliant. I know you're a Nafina man. Did you cross paths with Owen Merchant at all? Um, Omar was my neighbour actually, he lives across the road, I'd be I'd be good friends with his uh, his brother, so yeah, no, I would have crossed paths with him, but he's a Tolkien man too, don't forget He is, that. there's a great picture yeah, of him yeah. as well in Belvedere after winning the All-Ireland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, Nafeen is my, uh, my upbringing, definitely, yeah. Very good, what, what what separated basketball for you from the likes of GEA and other sports, what was the kind of pull there, What why did you enjoy it so much? Um, I mean, I was kind of lucky growing up that our team was good. Like, we had a lot of success. Um, like, we were always kind of top of the league kind of team. Like, we had good runs in the All-Irelands when we were growing up and things like that. So, obviously, having such a successful team kind of kept me involved. And we had that investment from everyone else on the team. And then when it comes, it came to making a decision. Like, I was just kind of better at basketball. <laughs> like, I wasn't as good as the, at the football and the hurling. So, it just kind of made sense for me to, to keep going that way. But... Even in saying that, like it was probably the sport I enjoyed playing the most growing up and it kind of just stayed that way all the way through. So it, it wasn't too tough of a decision when it came to it. Were you always tall growing up or was it kind of like a late growth spurt that, that got you so... I think you're six, 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 seven now, is it? Yeah, I'll be, yeah somewhere in that range. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, I wasn't always tall. Um, I grew up playing point guard, which kind of surprises people a bit because like, I don't I don't veer that way too much anymore. But um, yeah, like I was couldn't shoot the ball. I could only dribble one hand. I was maybe what five nine, five ten, five eleven. So I was very much like a point guard, point guard. But uh, I had a growth spurt when I was, I think, second year, third year, somewhere around there. I jumped up like four or five inches in one summer. So that was obviously the gap, like coming back as to the next season as a completely different player, essentially, and trying to get used to my body again. Obviously, growing that much, but that obviously helps a lot, like in terms of basketball and the position I try to play. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think I read online they scored sixty-eight points in a skills game or something. <laughs> yeah, I was playing. <laughs> we were playing in. Um, I went. My first school was Ross Mini, which is obviously local enough to Drum Conjure, and we were playing in like the school's third division, so we weren't flooded with basketball players in any of the games. So I had some some fairly high-scoring games, but then I uh, I moved to Aidens then for fifth year where we won two All-Irelands, and that was obviously a much better standard of basketball playing, like pretty much all basketball teams all the way through. So but we had a really talented team on on those Aidens team, but I mean, those Ross Mini days were, were fairly crazy at the same time. Yeah, I'd say so. I think you mentioned before about you were dropped, you weren't picked for the under-16 Irish team. How big of a motivator was that for you at the time? Yeah, that was, I mean, I was, I think it was under-15s, it would have been the trials and stuff. And I mean, it just, like, I wasn't ready for it. Like, it wasn't really a situation where I was like, oh, like, I should have been picked. Why wasn't I picked? Like, it was like, okay, like, these guys are quite a bit better than I am. So it's kind of like, that was, I don't want to call it like a wake-up call, but I mean, it was like, okay, if I really want to play at a high level, like, I need to make serious strides in my game and put in a lot more work. So it was definitely a motivating factor to be, you know, spending more time in the gym, working on my game and, it's really just from a competitive standpoint that it's like, right, like I see the guys who are on this team now and I'm playing them, I need to be, you know what I mean, trying to trying to hold my own at the very least. Totally. It's interesting that you took that approach. I suppose some people might get discouraged at that point where they say, geez, you know, I'm not going to make this. I might give up. Whereas you actually took it the opposite way. Why do you think you, you found, you know, not the wake up call, but that kind of realisation of, look, I really have to improve here rather than just say, look, this might not be for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm fairly stubborn, like, as a person. Like, I'm very competitive, like, whether it's, like, walking into the house with my brother, I want to get in first, like, front of the car, whenever I want to get in first, like, just little stupid things, like, I've kind of always been that way. So, 
when it came to basketball and kind of the magnitude, I guess, of playing for your country and things like that, like it was definitely a motivating factor to to improve and, and just my willingness and wanting this to be, I mean, as good as I can be or whatever it is I'm doing, whether it's basketball, school, or just something stupid that I'm doing, you know what I mean? Like I, that stubbornness kind of sticks with me to, to want to be as good as I can be. Okay, brilliant. There was a great video on YouTube. I think it was a school journalism project and you spoke about kind of your routine. Uh, I think even going into the gym at half 10 at night, shooting till 12. What was your routine like maybe in secondary school? To just kind of give a bit of an insight of the, like as Drew Hannon says, the unseen errors that go into kind of the preparation for you going abroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was very lucky to have um, access to gyms. I know that's a problem for a lot of guys when they're kind of trying to make those steps so I mean my school was very supportive my club was very supportive so I had access to different gyms and then it's coming in late at night I mean like as everyone knows like those school gyms are taking the trainings until 10 p.m pretty consistently every night so it was kind of I go shoot a half 10 at night or I don't shoot at all kind of situation and from there it was an easy decision like I can't just be trying to skive by and not getting in whether it's before school I used to like do some mobility work during lunch like straight after school be training and getting back in at night whatever it was it's just trying to find those extra hours to to separate myself from the guys essentially who weren't doing that you know what I mean so that was kind of always in the back of my mind that if I can put in these extra hours that no one else is putting in and um, I'll just continue to separate myself as much as I can. Mm-hmm. The takeovers are great in the page and you see the interest of the younger kids around the teenage age who want to go abroad and want to pursue basketball not even maybe go abroad just pursue it to make Irish teams what's the best kind of what's the best way for those kids to put themselves in the best position to explore these opportunities potentially going abroad like getting scholarships to Irish universities which is brilliant as well mm-hmm. what sh- what should they do around that you know 16 17 age even 15 to kind of put themselves in the best position possible yeah I mean it's definitely just trying to stay focused and making sure that you're kind of covering all areas I mean for me when I was kind of snake trying to make that jump to the states I was very much athletic based like I wanted the basketball scholarship I wanted all this but it's easy to lose sight of how valuable the academics are along the way. You know what I mean? Especially like when I was going over, I'd take my SAT. I had no idea what my GPA was. And kind of those kind of transitions can be quite difficult for an Irish kid because we don't really have the information. Um, so, I mean, there is something I'm working with at the moment called uh, Enumerous. It's a new Irish uh, startup. And I mean, they've, they've been running in the soccer now for a couple of years. They're trying to break into the basketball space a bit. And it's just really trying to inform these kids and provide this kind of I mean, educational approach to to trying to pursue these scholarships, then making sure you have your SAT set, making sure your GPA is okay. And then, I mean, athletically, it's kind of most most kids are that are playing for Ireland are already playing for a club, already playing for a school. They have their Irish team training. Like, I don't think that they need four, five, six more hours of training where the focus really needs to be is making sure that you're academically set to, to approach whatever you want to approach, whether that is a scholarship here in Ireland or it's a scholarship in the States, just making sure that you're, not just focused in on the athletic side of things and of also the academic side of things taken care of. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, Killian Gribbon, I think, is going on to Siena College and he's actually on an academic scholarship with a preferred walk-on for the basketball team when eventually will go on to an, 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 hopefully an athletic scholarship. But it just shows that, you know, sometimes you can go over based on your uh, academics and you know, still obviously play at a high level, whether it's at maybe a prep or college level where it's Division One, Two, Three, NIA, JUCO, anything. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, I was quite a good student when I was growing up. But, I mean, I just didn't know that that avenue was even available to me. Um, I was athletic scholarship all the way through, which, I mean, I'm very grateful for. But, I mean, even if I had known at some stage that if I had kind of taken care of my SAT a little better, my GPA a little better, that those options are available. Um, I mean, the kind of thing that people kind of forget is, like, coaches don't have unlimited money over there. I mean, there's obviously quite a lot of money and scholarships do go around. But if you can earn 10 grand in academic money, and you can go to a coach and be like, listen, like I've already got this taken care of. You don't need to be giving me 30, 40 grand for this scholarship. It's it's a whole different scenario. And it kind of does allow you to separate yourself a little more from the, the everyday student athlete. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't even know that was a thing. and I don't think many mm-hmm. people do. So you can offset some of your scholarship with academics so you can limit the what they have to give you then. Mm-hmm. Essentially, I mean, it's a great opportunity. You know what I mean? Especially if you are a, a good student that it's, you know, most players don't even try to, look into it you know what I mean and it's just from a again an informational standpoint like I had absolutely no idea that it would have been or could have been an option for me so just kind of trying to relay that information now that it could provide an opportunity to a kid who's like okay will I go will I not go it's like okay like here's a another step and so on that can really help bridge that gap 
Brilliant. Uh, I know you obviously won two uh, all Ireland er, titles with St. Innes in a row, but I want to speak about a little bit. You spent uh, a year with Swords Thunder. At the at the time, even looking back on that team, it was you know quite a talented squad. And just want to mention mm-hmm. as well, learning from Isaac Westbrook, so learning from those players. How big was that for you in your development? Yeah, it was great. Um, so I was still playing with Talca that year. That was kind of a, a nice little situation. So I was playing for the under 18, under 20 and D1 men's in Talca. But my kind of worry was it was my year before going to the States and I wanted to have that experience of training at a higher level pretty consistently. So um, coach at Swords Thunder took me on as a practice player, essentially. Like I never played a game for Swords Thunder that whole year. I was really just a practice player all the way through and that was kind of the, the plan the entire time. But that team was loaded. Like having Conroy, Justin as the two Americans who you did, the two Spanish lads who were incredibly talented, um, especially the big man was excellent. Like, and then even guys like Charlie Coombs, I come home, like Alex Delaney goes on that team. I was like, everybody, like it was loaded from top to bottom. So, I mean, just the experience every day. Like, I mean, I think I'm a player that can play a lot of different positions. So having, guarding Isaac one day, guarding Conroy the next day, Charlie the next day, like it, it gave me a lot of different looks and a lot of different games to, to kind of analyze. So it was a great experience. It definitely was. And I mean, they won the cup that year. So it was obviously a, a very talented team. So just being around that and being seeing how the guys prepared was was a real bonus for me when I was trying to make that transition to the States. You knew going into that season that you were heading over, was it? Um, I mean, I hadn't signed anywhere yet, but that was the plan. I mean, I was kind of in sixth year. I'd kind of done my homework on heading over to the States. I was in contact with some schools and some uh, prep schools already. So it was kind of definitely in my mind that that's what I wanted to do. So I felt like that was going to be a good opportunity to just prepare myself even further. And how do you go about contacting skills? I presume a lot of that might be through Irish teams going abroad and having highlights from European Championships and references from Irish coaches. And um, for me, it was really tough. I mean, that was kind of one of the toughest things that I kind of had to learn and come to terms with when I was trying to get to the States. Like, there was no real avenue for an Irish player to just be like, hey, can you help me with this? And obviously, there's guys already over there, like John and Jordan are already over there at that point. So I'd kind of had conversations with them just here and there trying to gain bits of information. But for the most part, my mom sat at the side of the gym with a camera and I cut my own highlight tapes um, and I put emails together myself. I went on to staff directories on NCA websites, copy and pasted email addresses and just sent, like, send it to everybody. Because I mean, like at that point, like I had no knowledge of levels. I didn't know what level I was at. I mean, it's hard for an Irish player to be like, OK, I want to play D1, I want to play D2, D3, Juco, whatever it may be. So I was just like, let me leave no boxes on tick. Like I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I was very willing to put in the time to email these coaches. So I just sent it to everybody I could. And then from there, it was kind of being able to decipher between, okay, like I've got a good response from this level. I think I have an opportunity to play at this level and just the different avenues that kind of opened up for me that way. But um, I took the prep route, which I thought was a a good option for me at the time, just because I had no knowledge of my academic standing in the US and, I mean, I hadn't really, I had the European Championships experience, but I never got the chance to go over and play AAU like a lot of the guys do now. So I was really wanting to get in front of as many coaches I could have, as, as I could really. And that was the route that I went for. For anyone listening that is kind of looking down that road of contacting coaches, how do you, it might be a silly question to some, but I don't think there might be enough information on is how do you actually structure the email and what do you put in the email to a coach in America or or a coach that is abroad that you want to play for? What do you look mm-hmm. to? And what do you, from your experience now, what do they look for in an email or in kind of a player profile in a highlight reel? For sure. Um, I mean, I think it's kind of changing a lot. And I mean, if I could go back, I doubt I'd do it the exact same way. You know what I mean? I was kind of learning learning by making my own mistakes. You know what I mean? And even coaches here and there were like, listen, that's, you've done a great job putting this together. But like, change this, change this. Um. I'd say try to get your academics in there. I mean, that's a lot of the schools that were recruiting me. Like I had some Ivy League, some Patriot League interest at the time. And I just like, it's laying out that like the first thing that they see is, okay, he's eligible. Like he's able to come to our school. And a lot of people don't know about like the NCA Clearinghouse. It kind of ensures your eligibility and tells you what your standing is. So a lot of guys obviously might be ineligible and don't even know it. So that's a great way to kind of confirm that. Um, and then from a highlight tape perspective, I mean, it's just getting your clips in there don't use songs that have curse words in them like just little things like that just that like a coach you don't you don't want to give any coach an opportunity to form an opinion of you before you've really got to have that conversation so just making sure that everything's politically correct i would say you know what i mean like your, your heights in there your weights in there your academics are in there your highlight tape is in there but it's no um trying to keep it as clean and as organized as you can you don't want to open up an email that's a mess and 
for them have to go looking for information or deciphering what you're trying to tell them like it should be here's this 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 and this like a b c d here's all the information you need like now you can do what you want with it you know what i mean instead of having them to a job to do when they get the email yeah that makes sense you went to combine academy in north carolina how do you go about finding prep skills and and choosing them or what do you what do you look for in a prep skill Mm-hmm. I mean, I sent these million emails, but Combine actually contacted me first, I believe. That was after I had a pretty good show and at the under 18 euros at the time. And I was only in fifth year. So I still had a year to go after that, which is kind of ideal because well, I know a lot of the under 18 guys are already in sixth year when they're at the championships, which can be difficult to then try to transition into getting recruited. You know what I mean? At that late stage. So they were on me pretty early. I mean, I was obviously had an interest, but they were definitely more of a startup prep school. Like they've kind of exploded in the last few years there top three high school team in the country like they've had team usa guys pros coming in constantly like sending 10 15 20 guys do one a year like it's a really high level program um so when i was coming in it was the first year they had been a program but it was their first year on their new campus which has kind of been the the real change in in their development you know what i mean but it was an unbelievable experience i still have a great relationship with all the coaches there a lot of the management people there like it's it's one of those places that it's I'm always going to look back fondly on and I, I feel like I need to go back and visit you know what I mean the campus is it's a lot different, it's a lot different than when I was there they've really leveled it up but I mean I've nothing but good things to say about that place yeah it's cool to be able to say you were there first kind of before all the, oh, yeah, the yeah, big yeah. names like, <laughs> you know kind of put, put your stamp on it as well mm-hmm. but what's it like going over there is there kind of like bit of a reality check is it you know all what it's cracked up to be maybe at the prep level you know kind of give a bit kind of give us a bit of an insight I, I worry sometimes with the takeovers I paint this really pre- pretty picture of the experience and it might not be what it's all cracked up to be sometimes yeah I feel like people need to remember like if you're following athletes and stuff or in the states on social media like we're only showing our good bits you know what I mean like there's a lot of lows I mean there's some the highs are amazing you know what I mean but there's there's a lot of lows that come with it especially my first prep here just trying to get accustomed to I mean, just a life over there, you know what I mean? I moved from Dublin, which is obviously a big city over here, and to like Lincoln in North Carolina, a small town just outside of Charlotte, population of zero, you know what I mean? Like there's there's nothing out there, you know what I mean? It's I mean, that's kind of what I was looking for. I wanted to go over there and play basketball. I wasn't trying to, I mean, as a prep school student, I was still focused on getting a scholarship, you know what I mean? So it was definitely a basketball focus, but it's not easy. I mean, everyone's going to deal with homesickness to some extent, like, it's, it's inevitable you know what I mean but just obviously trying to stay focused and sticking to your plan and trying to get through that is is important but what I found good was my prep school season didn't start until October and obviously since combine had been recruiting me for quite a while we'd kind of planned that when I finished the European Championships I went to the under 20 European Championships and then I came home for I think it was like a week to 10 days and flew straight over and did like a 10 week working out getting accustomed to life getting because i mean i had to cook for myself over there for a while just like even small things that i was like not ready to be thrown into you know what i mean that the american guys were a lot more used to so that helped me a lot just being able to transition a little more instead of just being like okay here i am in a gym with 15 division one athletes you know what i mean that i was more prepared for that and i was ready to play and i think that definitely stood to me when our game started because i was my transition period i think was a lot shorter than it would have been had i just got off the plane and got to playing you know what i mean mm-hmm, absolutely and how big of a how big of a like a, an advantage was it playing with the under 20 irish team going into that as well kind of being with the older lads kind of that would have been a pretty stacked team with the under 20 level as well mm-hmm, yeah so i mean my initial intention wasn't to play for the under 20 team i'd kind of looked into going over and playing aau just to i mean trying to get my name across like i had my sights pretty set on the us but then when the team started to get put together, like it's you can't really turn down an opportunity to play for Ireland. You know what I mean? Like every time, it, it really is an honor. It's a it's a privilege. So when the team started to get put together, I was like, absolutely, like I want to be involved. Um, team was loaded, but obviously playing up was definitely a different experience. Like the under eighteen team, obviously being my own age, it's it's my it was my first taste of European basketball. But you know the guys are still the same age as you. Like there's some freak athletes, but when you go to the under 20 level, like, like we played Croatia and the whole roster was already playing professionally, you know what I mean? And I was, and most of our team were like, I think six or seven of our team were of the younger age of the under 20. So getting that kind of experience is just invaluable. Like it's, it's, um, it's, it's you can't, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a crazy experience. You know what I mean? Like it's super high level guys, all super high level athletes, seeing how they carry themselves, seeing how they prepare. It's, um, it's just really interesting. Mm-hmm, definitely how did you find then going to combine obviously that 10 week kind of 
introduction we'll, we'll call it was obviously hugely beneficial but then getting together into the season you know kind of how did things kind of snowball how did you find the whole it kind of not only balancing the basketball side of things but the recruitment side of things and trying to get scholarships mm-hmm. as well so the recruitment side of things is so stressful like there's no other way to put it like even even like from the top guys to the lowest guys no matter if you're getting recruited not getting recruited it's the same stress for everybody because there's always going to be another school that you want you know what i mean you could have 20 division one offers you know what i mean and then you want duke you know what i mean like it's it's not kind of a situation where it's like you know what i mean it's 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 just it's stressful all the way through and it's just the unknown obviously like i was going over there for my first time in the united states and it's like right like i need to get some offers or else i'm on the first flight back home to dublin you know what i mean so that kind of stress so i think when i did get my first couple offers it was like okay it was kind of reassuring that like i'm meant to be here i'm more than capable of playing at this level so that was definitely a good thing but i mean when i once i got into the games I kind of found that, I mean, I, I wasn't sure what to expect in terms of level, you know what I mean? Like, you do great at the European Championships, that's fantastic, but, like, it's it's a different game over there. Like, the athletes are are really incredible, you know what I mean? It's a faster game. You kind of, a lot of different things expected of you than it would be just playing in Europe. So getting accustomed to that was a challenge. But, I mean, once I started to play a few games and I realised that I was, you know, more than capable and putting up good numbers, that it was a situation where, okay, like, now it's recruiting time, you know what I mean? And that's obviously a challenge, so... Mm-hmm. can you enjoy that that process or is it just complete stressful kind of trying to figure out that recruitment side of things um looking back on it now it's enjoyable because like it's it's just it's wild you know what i mean like you're hearing from schools all over the country like they're all telling you that you're the best player in the country you know what i mean like they're all telling you the same thing but it's trying to obviously decipher that as a young player that like okay like who actually wants me like where's the best situation for me and then I think everyone gets caught up in level a little too much. Like, that's something I wish I'd kind of known going over. Like, I mean, it's tough to say, but like, I was definitely like, I wanted to play Division One basketball. Like, every kid wants to play Division One basketball. You know what I mean? But um, I think like getting over there and kind of getting a better understanding of the levels, that it's far more beneficial to be playing significant minutes than sitting on a bench at a level that's probably a step or two too high. You know what I mean? So that kind of thing is definitely a challenge. But I mean, it's, it's kind of, you just have to go through it to, to experience it you know what I mean like you can give as much advice as you want but like everyone's journey is going to be completely different like I was lucky that I ended up with quite a few options whenever I was getting recruited and I had decisions to make but for a lot of players it's okay I've got one offer this is where I'm going you know what I mean so it's hard to kind of branch everyone's recruiting process into kind of one piece of I guess advice or anything like that like everyone's journey is going to be completely different there and it's kind of it is on each individual to figure it out because what I want then might be completely different to what the next guy that goes over there once you know what i mean so mm-hmm. it's kind of just making sure that you're you're taking all your own boxes at the same time uh, if you had to do it all over again a great question from from ryan leonard I'm just trying to read it here if you do it all again and you're back kind of not only in combine but kind of going through your other decisions from what you looked at at the time for kind of what you were kind of deciding about with a school what categories do you would you now look at has that changed at all and kind of if you could do it again what would you do differently in the kind of decision making mm-hmm. process um yeah that is a good question um i think it's very easy to get caught up in especially i mean it didn't really happen as much in my last couple of years but my first couple of years it's easy to get caught up in kind of the whole glitz and glamour of it like they've got a big arena they've got a big school they play in a nice location the coach is telling me everything i want to hear whereas like there was a couple of coaches when I was getting recruited that, you know what I mean, really put the time in. Like when I was leaving my freshman year, I'd coaches drive like seven hours to come have lunch with me. You know what I mean? Like things like that, that I kind of was like, okay, great. But like, how big is your gym? You know what I mean? Which is a real, like, it, it sounds so arrogant, but like, it's, it's a real thing when you're over there, you know what I mean? That it's very easy to get caught up in. So I think just trying to put more value on the relationship that you have with the coach rather than, everything else you know what I mean because at the end of the day like when basketball is going well and basketball going isn't going well like you want to be able to talk to your coach you want to be able to go to him with on-court problems off the court problems and have these conversations whereas if you don't have a great relationship with your coach you can't talk to him about on-court you can't talk to him about off the court and it can it can just lead you to just not enjoying your experience as much you know what I mean so I think the relationship with the coach and staff is one that I'd kind of put a premium on and if I was to go and do it again that would kind of be my number one thing through all my recruitment processes it's like what's my relationship like with all the coaches okay interesting and when you're having those conversations with coaches 
what questions did you ask at the time and again would there be anything you'd like to ask them maybe if you were doing it again it just i'm conscious that there's you know a lot of younger people tuning in that would look up mm-hmm. to you guys you know like yourself and the guys who've gone abroad and are kind of trying to formulate their own process and their own decision making um i wouldn't even one que- like one question in particular would be hard to kind of single out like as i was like i was always a question asker like i was going to ask if i had 50 questions i was going to ask 50 questions you know what i mean like i just don't be shy you know what i mean like at the end of the day like the coach is recruiting you but like this is your life like you're the one that's gonna have to go to the school you're the one that's gonna have to get on the plane leave your family and be over there so i'd say ask absolutely anything and everything and like don't think that it's a stupid question i don't think oh the coach doesn't probably doesn't want me to ask this like no like this is it's a big decision every time you know what i mean like you really are going to be uprooting your life and and moving across the world so just make sure that you've covered all your boxes and you're not going in with unknowns like if there's something that's like oh i wonder what this is going to be like when i get here ask the coach and if the coach isn't really telling you just find the roster list and start asking the players you know what I mean because for the most part the players aren't going to lie to you okay that's a good point actually I didn't even think of that kind of asking the players that are currently there um you mentioned your parents there how how does that conversation go kind of maybe originally being like I want to go to America and how does that kind of be like well I'm getting these scholarships I'm going to stay over here I presume obviously Mm -hmm. they're very conscious of education so how does that conversation go with with your parents um, I mean, I was dying to go over to the US for high school. Like that was kind of when I got into TY, I was like, right, mom, like I need to go. You know what I mean? And they were like, absolutely not. Like you're finishing your, because I mean, it's tough. Like we weren't a basketball family and telling my mom at 16 that I want to drop out of my leave and start like and head over to the States and play basketball. She's thinking like, you know what I mean? He's not even going to get his own high school to flow or whatever it may be. You know what I mean? So it was the first conversation was definitely like, okay, like, you need to finish your leave and start, you know what I mean? And looking back, like, I don't regret that at all. Like, that was fine. And then I can, I think between that first period of me being like, okay, I want to go to high school and me being like, once I finish my leave and start, I'm going. She kind of saw the interest I was getting and like how these coaches were replying. Like coaches wanted to be on phone calls with her and my dad, like just to explain what they had to offer. So I was kind of like, it was just, a, it was just a learning experience, not only for me, but for them too, that like, it's, it's a lot more, organized and serious and my academics are going to be taken care of it's not a situation where I'm going to go over there and end up without a degree so it was I mean it was just as much of a learning experience for them I think as it was for me but I mean they look back at it now and kind of have a different opinion of it I guess than they would have then because they were obviously very cautious and I mean sending your son away across the world when they didn't have an understanding of the sport essentially is is obviously a very difficult thing but they were always really supportive of me like whether it was playing for Ireland heading over to the States they were always like listen like pursue what you want to pursue and they were always 100% backing of whatever it was I wanted to do and even the, through the recruiting process it was very much not like you know what you're doing just make an informed decision so and they were they were great in that aspect that's great Um, just out of your out of interest with your time at, at Combine Prep there's been this kind of debate going on about an Irish academy and like an official Irish basketball academy if we were if there was one to be set up here in Ireland you, well first of all do you think there's a need to set up the academy I think most people would say yes but when you put the reality of you're taking the best players out of their club and putting them into one place maybe would that dilute the club game a bit and if you were to set up the academy what what would they need to do to make it a successful project and a, a successful path for players to to whether it's go abroad and play pro or play college or whatever they mm-hmm. want to do um that's a tough question um in terms of an academy, I mean, I'm not fully in agreement with that. Like, I think, like, I was very happy playing with my club and playing with my school. And I wouldn't, like, my best friends to this day are still my best friends from playing for my club, playing for my school. So if I think, like, if I would have left that, like, it, it was, it's just the same experience of just being a young kid. Like, I don't think you need to take a 14, 15-year-old out of his club and take him out of his school um, to play somewhere in the same county. You know what I mean? I just don't see the the point in that like as long as they're working hard and putting in their time like it's 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 fine what I do think is great though is I know basketball Ireland have set up like the is it the regional academies I think that's fantastic because that's a supplemental thing it's it's not drop out of school drop out of your club it's okay we're getting the best players together and it doesn't have to be five times a week you know what I mean it's just it's that's such a motivating thing for a 15 16 year old for every I have no idea how often they play and I'd love to get some more information on that but whether it is every second week, once a week, whatever it may be that, okay, now I'm around all the best players and you're around equals people that think the same way as you that are trying to be the best player that they can be. I think that's very motivating that they can go to that. And then whether it's two weeks, they have a way that that gap in between that two weeks, it's okay. Like now this is what I need to work on if I want to be competing 
you know what I mean, at an even higher level. But I don't think that players need to be leaving their clubs and leaving their schools. I mean, as long as they're working hard. Now, it could be a situation where there's no team for me in my club. There's no one with the same interest. Like, I was lucky, like, we had a good team. There's always someone for me to go shoot with, rebound with, go work out with. So, was, I mean, I might be a little biased in that sense. But I, if I could go back, I wouldn't have gone to an academy if it was an option for me. It'd be interesting, you know, kind of getting those offers when you're in Combine. You eventually ended up at uh, Urbana University. How do you, how, what was the decision process of going there? I know you, you, you only went for your freshman year, but how, what, what kind of went into that decision and how did you find that experience? Yeah, so um, the end of my prep school kind of happened very unexpectedly. Like I was kind of getting a lot of problems with my hips. I was kind of, I was, I was, I was in a lot of pain realistically, and I didn't know what it was. Um, I happened to be in Atlanta, one of my still one of my close friends, and he was at the doctor's getting his knee checked. And I was there, and I was like, "Listen, like, can you take a look at my hips? Like, while we're sitting here, he jumped me in for a quick MRI, and he came out, and he was like, you need surgery on both of your hips.' So that was kind of like. I'm in the middle of a recruiting process. Like I'm trying to still put myself in front of these coaches. Like I've got interest from division one, division two schools. And then boom, like here, you need surgery quick. And um, I got like cortisone shots and stuff. I played out the rest of my season. I only had a couple of weeks left, but it's kind of tough when I was talking to these schools. I was like, listen, like I'm really interested. I'd love to go to your school, but like I'm about to get surgery. Like you can't really hide that. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it was a process. Like it put me out for quite a few months that, you know, like, I, I, if you still want to take a chance on me, like, I'm absolutely for it. And Urbana, the whole way through, the coach was like, listen, like, I want you. I think you're a great player. You're going to be influential for us. Um, just get healthy. And I think that kind of really stood with me a little bit that it was like, right, like, he's not thinking further down the line. He's not like, right, we can get him in, bench him, and he'll be fine in a couple of years. It was like, no, like, he wanted me to play right away. So that was obviously a motivating thing for me when I was going through my recovery and stuff with that, that, he wanted me there. And I mean, I started the first game on opening night, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I feel like I came into that a little bit with something to prove, you know what I mean? Because I had a lot of coaches that were interested in me. And then once they found out that I was hurt, it was like, right, he's damaged goods. We don't need to deal with it. You know what I mean? So I was definitely very motivated going into that year to prove a lot of people wrong. But I mean, I wouldn't change that decision. Um, I wouldn't have wanted to go anywhere else. Looking back on it, like I'm very, like even the places that, you know, I wasn't as happy. Like, I mean, it's it's my journey it is what it is you know what I mean so I mean I had a great year I've like still close with all my teammates from there like and since the school has actually closed down which is kind of crazy like I know I've had a couple of texts being like I know you went here like why is it not a school anymore but like it, it completely shut down finances went out the window I guess I don't know the ins and outs of that either but um it kind of left a lot of people looking for a new school which is very interesting but I mean my coach was let go at the end of the year I had pretty good numbers, you know what I mean? So it just kind of made sense for me to transition into something else. I mean, because people kind of forget that, like, your coach leaves, like, it's a whole new setup. Like, yeah, I know it's the same school, but, like, it's a, a completely different program. Like, the coach is what makes the program. So when I heard there was a new coach come in, I kind of had some questions, and I decided it was best for me to try to pursue something else. Yeah, that's actually something Anna McGuire would have spoke about a lot. I know you're you're close to her, and it's like mm-hmm. she her after her freshman year there was a new coaching staff in, and it's it's completely different. Like what they did, they didn't recruit you. They might want their own players. They might. It's a business, like you know, at the end of the day, and even with your hip, you even realize that you know this is a business. At the end of the day, they might have been three weeks ago telling me I'm the best player around, and they want me, and they're mm-hmm. promising the sun, moon, and the stars. But then when you say oh, I have to go for hip surgery, it's okay. See you later. Mm-hmm. and it's it's tough because like obviously like as a player you're like okay why is the coach treating me like this but you kind of have to remember like this is the coach's full-time job like if this coach is losing games he's not going to have a job next year and how is he feeding this kid you know what I mean like it's, it's ruthless but it's it's I mean it's not always fair but it, it makes sense at least you know what I mean like they have to they have to have that kind of cutthroat mentality because if they're not winning games and they're not doing what's supposed to do like there's a lot of money on the line like coaching in the United States is serious, serious money. So they can't afford to just be making sure everyone's happy. It's making sure we get the results that are needed. Exactly. You ended up at New Mexico Junior College after Urbana University. Um, was the plan to go to junior college at the time and kind of uh, get more recruitment and get more offers from potentially higher skills? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of where I was. I'd had a good year at D2, obviously going, <coughs> sorry, I'm going into... Going into Urbana, I was obviously like chipping my shoulder. I had, I felt like I needed to, to prove my worth again. I think when I had that good year, and um, my recruiting process was great. Like I, 
a great amount to offer is like a, maybe 15, 20 Division two options and kind of the same with Juco. I had a lot of Division one schools looking at me, but at the time, you couldn't transfer a Division two to Division one without redshirting a year. And I was very conscious that I'd kind of already done a prep year. I was like a 20-year-old freshman, maybe. You know what I mean? So I didn't have, I didn't feel like I had time to burn. You know what I mean? Like I'm 23 now and I'm just graduated. I didn't want to push that on another year. So I decided to go the Juco option, kind of just prolong my recruitment, essentially. Like I really liked a lot of the Division two schools that I was getting recruited by and the Division one schools I was getting recruited by. So I was definitely still open to both levels. It was just, let me put myself in front of more coaches for a year and I kind of prolonged that and I mean Juco is a, a crazy crazy experience like I mean and it's something I really value at the same time like it's it's like nothing else. Okay because that's something I spoke with Sean uh, for a little bit it's kind of like what's it like going from a D2 school to Juco although I, I really was impressed with the setup in um, New Mexico because I saw your sports chronicle take over and I was actually really impressed with kind of the setup and the the players that they had. Yeah I mean we were kind of lucky that I mean when people think Juco a lot of people think like no no money in the school essentially like i was very lucky that like we had a really good athletic budget like a really good program i mean new mexico is a very small town but our boosters were great like i mean there's a lot of oil money type of stuff down there you okay know I mean? right so, so our boosters our boosters were good you know what i mean we were taken care of like whether it was our facilities were excellent like our our team budget was good we ate well you know what i mean our we, nike sponsorship like from from that kind of standpoint like it was great but it's it's still juco you know what i mean like it's it's definitely like a, a grind type of mode like everyone's in there like it's if out of four-year school you know what i mean guys are there to get their degree and they're there you know what i mean juco no one's at juco because they want to be at juco i mean from that kind of standpoint like the, the intent is obviously to to move to the next level um but that's it's it's a great experience because it's everyone's on the exact same page like you've got a roster of 12 to 15 guys who are all looking to play at the next level so from a competitive standpoint, like it's excellent. And then standard wise, like we were loaded. Like we had three guys with like 15 plus division one offers, like guys playing for national teams in Nigeria, like really, really high level guys, like really high level guys. So we were kind of top 25 ranked most of the way through. And we went to the regionals and lost to what was essentially, I thought was a top three school in the country at the time, but Obviously, COVID kind of set shut down the national tournament that year, which is a bit of a pity. But I mean, we we had a great team, a lot of talented guys in that team. Yeah, absolutely. They had a great a great question in from Hilary Nets. He said, uh, "What's the one thing people don't realize about the grind or when you're trying to make it?" Um, it's not it's not like people kind of think that it's going to be like this linear upward kind of trajectory for you. Like it, it's it's not. You kind of just have to stick with it. And like I kind of mentioned, like the highs and the lows, like. Some days you're going to go into the gym, you're going to spend an hour in there and you're going to shoot horribly and you're going to be like, I've been shooting for the last month. Like, why is this, you know, like, why, why can't I just be making everything? I, you know what I mean? And even it's the same when you're in the gym, you're lifting, your lifts are going great. You, you'll hit a wall and hitting that wall is inevitable, but it's just having the, the mental strength to kind of just be consistent through that and continue to work is, um, is kind of was, was good for me that I was kind of, very willing to just kind of push through those moments but they they are going to come they'll come for every player like shooting slumps are inevitable but just having the the mental strength to try push through those is, is definitely a big thing you committed to Bryant university i know you didn't end up going there what was that kind of process like and what kind of happened there with that situation yeah that was pretty crazy so that going into juco um i got my first taste of senior men's basketball with ireland and we went to slovakia and we played luxembourg at home and my stats are very good my film was very good so I kind of generated quite a lot of interest from that before I kind of even stepped foot on the floor in Juco. My Juco did a good job of kind of promoting that, that I'd had a good summer. So I had quite a lot of interest, a lot of schools reaching out to me. And um, they were my first offer in Juco. So, I mean, I wasn't really in a rush, essentially, to make a decision, but they were very keen to get me out there on a visit. So I visited there, I want to say November type of time, might have been October, November. Like, I hadn't played a game for my Juco when I went out there visit like i'd had we had preseason jamborees and stuff like so we played like scrimmage games which coaches are in front of but in terms of, like an official like conference game i hadn't played a game yet so i went out and i visited and um, i really enjoyed it and um, it was a good process but they i essentially left the campus got a text from the coach and he was like listen we want you you have 48 hours to make a decision or your offer is going to somebody else so that's it's i mean it's, it's cutthroat you know what i mean but 
they had very much sold me on we're a family you know once you commit you're part of the family we treat you like a son everyone here is brothers that kind of thing and I can I, I mean I committed I was happy that's where I wanted to be I thought the style of place suited me they were a great academic school which suited me and I just liked the location like they're just outside of Boston and Royal Island like it was a nice situation but they um that whole family thing didn't really fall through the whole way through the uh, recruitment process after that I mean I was playing behind a guy who ended up committing to BYU so I was coming off the bench at my Juco so they weren't really happy about that they were kind of like why aren't you starting why aren't you putting up I mean because I had great numbers with the Irish team they were like expecting me I guess to put up those same numbers and I was like listen like I mean I thought I was playing well fighting for minutes I mean just trying to help my team win but they and my coach was kind of the whole time telling them like listen like he's more than capable to play at your level he's having a great year he's just obviously we've got some high major guys on this team you know what I mean so there's not going to be 40 minutes for everybody and they weren't kind of of the same opinion so they eventually asked me to to I had signed and everything I'd gone through this committed sign they kind of told me that they wanted to give my scholarship to another player so it was a situation where I could have been like no like I'm signed I'm still coming but I don't think I wanted to be somewhere where I didn't feel wanted so I guess the family wasn't that tight yeah look again basketball is a business over there and this Mm -hmm. is unfortunately kind of what happens and you know again Mm -hmm. maybe kids here don't realize that these things happen and it's kind of happens happens quite a lot like I know you have we've had like Anna on here she spoke about a little bit like Ryan's talked about it like they're as good as it gets really basketball wise like they're incredibly talented players really good students like it happens you know what I mean and for me at the time like people don't really speak about that a lot like I feel like when things like this happen at schools like it kind of gets like swept under the rug and players aren't very open about it like they want to have oh I just didn't like this like no nah, like the coach told you to leave it's like it's not the end of the world you know what I mean it's um and that was tough for me at that time like I'd signed I was committed like I was excited to go and then I was like I'm not wanted you know what I mean it's, it's a tough thing to go through especially when I was only like at that age and that deep into the recruiting process like what kind of bothered me with them is I'd signed in November or so and they didn't tell me that you know I mean they wanted to go in another direction until like late into March you know what I mean so my season was almost finished guys have been getting recruited for like four months in between and I was wasn't talking to schools coaches didn't know that I was available so it kind of put me in a tough situation and I was like okay look I need to find my next spot you know what I mean and then COVID too I mean like that this all happened and then a few weeks later COVID hit and I couldn't take any visits, you know what I mean? Schools weren't like, we all, I came back to Dublin in like middle of March, you know what I mean? Whereas usually at the Juco level, you're kind of getting recruited all the way to the end of the semester. So it was, it was definitely a tough period. Did you, did you find that when, um when you had unsigned with, with Bryant that other schools were kind of put off? Like, it's interesting, like I was listening to a podcast with an Irish, with an American player and he was saying, oh, because I, I got an offer from this school, then other schools started to offer me because it was like, oh, well, this college is looking at me. But it's the same, is it the same process when, when a school is no longer interested in you that other schools might have a negative look maybe? Um, not really. I feel like it kind of depends why it happened. You know what I mean? And I was very open the whole time. But like, this is why it happened. Like, this is exactly what happened. And when other coaches hear that, they were kind of like, okay, like they kind of, they put you in a very tough situation. You know what I mean? But I mean, I still kind of was very confident in my ability and um, how good of a player that I was that when I was speaking to these schools, I was like, listen, like I'm still very much capable of coming in and helping, helping you guys win. So it was fine. I mean, and even after that, like I still ended up with, I, I like I double figured Division Two offers. You know what I mean. So I definitely still had a de- decision to make. So I was I was very lucky in that aspect that it wasn't a situation where I decommitted and I was like, okay, I have nowhere to go. That I still had schools that were interested in me and and wanted me to be there. How did that shape your your next decision with your next school? I mean, that was really tough because I mean I couldn't. It was COVID. You know what I mean. I couldn't get on campus. It was it was a tough situation. Um. I ended up at Valdosta State and we won a championship. It wasn't a good experience. Like I was, I don't, I mean, it was a tough year. COVID was going on and stuff, but I just wasn't really happy there for the most part. Like of our 12 guys on our roster that year, seven left at the end of the year. And like we won a championship. So that's pretty unheard of. Guys just didn't really want to be there. Didn't want to play for our head coach. Say that I can say that I'm out of the NCAA. I can say that openly now but guys didn't want to play for our head coach you know what I mean and um I mean even then like this year it's kind of been fun it looks like over there it's been the same again guys wanting to leave and stuff so I don't know it's a it wasn't my best experience but 
it's kind of crazy to say that when we won a championship ring. Like, and my friends on that team are great. Like, I love the guys who are on the team and me, but we were kind of, we were playing for each other. Okay, okay, very good. Uh, your final year then, you ended up at South Nazareth. Um, how did you find that experience, kind of finishing off your senior year? And yeah, I mean, that's such an incredible group of people. Like, from I, I'm, when I was kind of leaving Valdosta, my big thing was, listen, like, I want a relationship with my coaching staff. I want, like, a, a group that really feels like they're close-knit. And I really, I really feel like I found that. Um, like, I love the coaches there. I talk to the coaches there all the time still. I hope that I will continue to talk to the coaches there. And then the players there, it's just like one big group. Like, obviously, when you get 15 guys aged between like 18 and 24, it's very easy to have these like different niches within the team. You know what I mean? But I feel like with that team, it was very common to see any combination of players together doing absolutely anything. Like, it was a really close-knit group. And I'm kind of excited to watch them now next year. Like, I think they're my pick to win the region. You know what I mean? Though They could really make an Elite Eight run this coming year. So I'm excited for the coaches there and the players. Like, it was a, a really positive experience. So you went to a prep school, three universities, and a junior college. Listen, it's it's a, <laughs> every time I hear that I'm loud, I'm like, what? It's, that's mad. But I mean, it wasn't really like my intention coming out of prep school was to find the school that I liked and be there for four years. So it was just, I mean, it comes at you quick. Like it's ruthless over there. You have to be ruthless from a player standpoint because you know the coaches are going to be the same way, and then the coaches are obviously going to do what they're going to do. So. It's um, it was a process, but like I said, like it's my journey. You know what I mean? Uh, it's uh, I wouldn't want to change it. You know what I mean? The develop the relationships I've kind of developed over the years. Like I'm still incredibly close with teammates from every one of those schools. So I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it. How do you manage to transition from a number of programs? Kind of different roles within the team, even just socially. Like how difficult is that to kind of uh, manage and and kind of go through? Uh, that's a great question. Um socially it kind of really took me out my comfort zone like when I was going over I mean I was a little more quiet like I'm quite I was quite reserved but it kind of gets you in a situation where it's like if I don't really put myself out there a little bit like I'm just gonna have no friends you know what I mean like you've you've kind of you've got to have some kind of level of confidence and just be able to approach people and, and talk to people um but obviously being on a basketball team is such an advantage like if I was transferring as a regular student trying to break into different friend circles is obviously a lot more difficult but having a group of guys who are kind of in a similar situation to you makes that a lot easier. Um, is it athletically? Athletically, it is tough, especially at the four-year schools because it's like, like at, so the Nazarene, the guys who had already been there for four years, guys who had been there for three years, coach knew them inside out. They knew the coach inside out. They knew the plays inside out. They knew the school inside out. So it's you're trying to develop these relationships with the coaches and the players while trying to earn your minutes, while trying to, figure out the ins and outs of the school like especially at southern nazarene like it was obviously it's a religious institution at the same time so i had some of those obligations and i mean i'm not an incredibly religious guy so that was kind of a process for me to kind of transition into that too so that was that was different but i mean it's it is kind of a situation where you kind of have to put yourself out there a little bit and just be willing to talk to people and like develop these relationships because it's very easy to just go over there and not talk to anybody and you're just going to find yourself sitting in your room all day. Like, and that's not really what I wanted. So that was definitely different. And then, so one other thing you said about the transition. Oh, academically. Academically, it was a real transition. Because obviously, you lose, the American system's a lot different to Ireland. Like, there's no core classes. Like, we take, I mean, I picked my classes every semester, you know what I mean? But um, institution to institution, you can definitely lose credits. So for me, I was definitely keen to kind of still get my degree within the four years. So, I mean, like, I found myself coming into Southern Nazarene that I needed 46 credits to graduate. And, like, for someone who's not in the States, like, you usually take 15 credits a semester. So that's, like, 30, 30, you know what I mean? So I essentially had a full semester to make up. So, I mean, I took my summer classes. I had, like, a 21-credit semester to finish out, which 21 credits the final semester of your senior year is not really – you guys really want 12, you know what I mean? Not 21, you know what I mean? So I kind of – I had a tough road ahead to get them done, but I mean, I, I've always been a pretty good student, so I was uh, I was able to get that done, which was a big achievement for me because, I mean, that's it was a lot of credits that I was facing, but I was very keen to kind of get that out the way so I could get graduated still within the four years. Something that's really kind of nice to see is the all the Irish players that go abroad, well, not everyone, but 
there really seems to be a nice little community kind of bond with all the Irish players. Obviously, they're all so spread out. Sometimes you're not close to each other, but it's it seems to be that you know you kind of reach out to each other, kind of check in. You know, might ask advice about different things. I know you're close at Ryan Letter and the Maguires, but kind of describe that relationship that kind of forms when you go abroad and you kind of see you know yeah Owen might be across the other side of the country, but you might reach out to Owen Nelson or or somebody that's over there. Yeah, I mean, you kind of it's just having a lot of people who are kind of in the exact same situation from you, you know what I mean? They're, you're away from home, away from your family, and you're kind of, you are the international student trying to break into the American game, you know what I mean? So we kind of, we see a lot of the same situations kind of take place, a lot of different relationships and stuff. So, I mean, just being in touch and having someone to kind of like resonate with is, is great, especially like it hits like seven, eight o'clock over there, you know what I mean? And all your family's asleep, all your friends are back home or asleep. And obviously I've got great American friends, but having somebody who's in a similar situation to you and kind of the same upbringing as you to kind of bounce these different ideas off and just just have a chat with, you know what I mean, is is huge. And like I was obviously, like like you said, like the Maguires, like Owen Nelson, like Ryan, like we'd be in good contact quite a bit, you know what I mean? And just being able to have those relationships with other athletes who are in those similar positions is just when something does arise, like you need a question or even if you need a favour or let's go on a holiday like whatever it might be like like even me and ryan like we were both found ourselves not being able to come home for christmas like we just right like let's where are we going you know what i mean it's that kind of thing that you have someone to be around and you have someone to talk to so it's it's huge it really is huge what's the biggest thing you miss about the u.s apart from chick-fil-a <laughs> um i mean it's just kind of being around my teammates the whole time like we worked out like two three times a day in the u.s so like there's always someone in the locker room like there's always someone having fun like the Americans do tend to have quite big personalities so when you're in those kind of locker room situations like it's stuff as simple as that like I know an interview that sticks out to me is, is an interview of one of the NCA players like crying on the podium and he's like what are you going to miss most and he's talking about like he's going out for dinner after the game or going out for lunch or something like it is those moments that you really miss where it's like you've got 15 of your friends that you spend like five six seven hours with the day and you just you go from that to like just not having it you know what I mean it's it's such a transition it's different but those are kind of the moments I'll miss like just in the locker room like me and my teammates my coaches being there like my coach's kids are in there like just the feeling like that of after winning a game where everyone's just in there buzzing chatting like it's those moments that you definitely miss the most I think it's difficult particularly for players in the US because at the end of college there's kind of nothing like unless they go pro that's it like a lot of players do kind of you know maybe that's what they want to do they just want to do the four years of college and kind of you know kind of leave basketball there but it's you know it's, for the Irish players it's you know it's it, there's an advantage you can go you know possibly pursue a, a career in Europe like Sean like John like Jordan but you can mm-hmm. also come back here to the Super League and the National League teams mm-hmm. yeah I mean that's it's so tough because when you see some of the guys like who I've played with over the years and they graduate and they just stop playing it's like you'd be a top 30 40 player in the super league right now you know what i mean like no questions asked you know what i mean and like you're just not going to play basketball competitively ever again it's kind of like it is crazy it is really crazy but it's just the nature of the game you know what i mean like that's where i feel like a lot of the americans do try to find that european passport you know what i mean find a, a long lost granny somewhere along the lines to to get to that eu passport because it's a real advantage for them like it's just tough um obviously especially in ireland like we're only allowed one american on the floor you know what i mean and that's obviously a controversial one but it's um those kind of situations where it's not like they only want the very best of the americans whereas there's a a whole bunch of them who just retire who are like way more than capable of playing at at levels across europe yeah exactly that that topic is a podcast in itself uh what (laughs) from from your experience of being over there and kind of being exposed to so many players what separates the great players from the rest of the pack from your from your viewpoint um i mean you're always going to have your few like this freak athletes that like you know don't have to get in the gym don't have to lift a weight and they're just naturally just phenomenal players but the the guys who really earn it are it's just consistency like you'd see the same guys in the gym at the same time every day getting whether it's you know 500 shots up on the gun going to get the extra lift in doing the extra mobility work the extra stretching the time in the training room like there's no secret at the end of the day. Like it really is just being able to wake up every day and do it. And it's great because everyone's going to be motivated when they get on campus. You know what I mean? The first three, four weeks before the season starts, like everyone's in the gym every day and doing all that. But like who's still in there in January? Who's in there in February? Who's getting the extra shots up? Who's spending the time in the training room? And it gets different. Obviously, you get like four months into a season, like your body is all over the place. But it's having the discipline to get there 30 minutes early and 
get heat on the knees or get a massage or whatever treatment you might need to to get ready to practice instead of just rocking in and trying to get it over with you know what i mean it's kind of approaching every workout and every practice like i'm here to get better not just here to get this over with because i'm tired and sore and my body hurts you know what i mean for anyone listening whether it's players or coaches what do you think is the most underrated skill in the game at the moment maybe, maybe from that irish, an irish perspective of irish club players irish coaches is there anything that we're, we're overlooking at the moment in the game um a big thing for us this past year which i've kind of tried to incorporate into some like i've been working out obviously with some of the irish guys back home is stopping off two, playing off two, and being able to pivot like one of our assistant coaches was so good at that this year like some of our individual workouts were so elite this year but it's like being able to stop right left pivot left right pivot up and under reverse pivot spin like it's just if you can get into the paint and get on two feet and move in any direction and fake in any direction like you're so unpredictable like if you can go you know left pivot right pivot shot fake whatever it may be just having that having that tool especially as a guard in your game I think is huge and is is something that a lot of Irish players obviously we grew up shooting our layups off off one foot for the most part you know what I mean like most Irish players prefer to go off one foot and I prefer to go off one foot you know what I mean but it's kind of when I kind of got that insight to those kind of workouts it's like right like if I can start to play off two a little more it opens up a lot of different different avenues and I think we've seen Jordan kind of transitioned that into his game a lot more over the past few years like he's gotten a lot better playing off too he loves that little spin move into his his two-foot pivot like we saw that all weekend so I mean just I think that's something that a lot of Irish players if they look to incorporate into their game could see real improvements and just stability like you get in the paint and you're jumping off one you've got you know a second to make a decision you've got to pass you quickly you know what I mean whereas you get off two you can take your time you can pivot it's just it adds a, a level of patience I think to your game as a guard Okay, brilliant. I know this summer you're training with the Irish senior men's team. You're also going to play in the Damex Pro League in Gibraltar. How much mm-hmm. are you looking forward to the experience and what do you kind of expect from going over there? Yeah, I mean, first, just getting back involved with the Irish team is so huge for me. Um, it's always an honour to, to be involved with those guys. I mean, great coaching staff involved, great players involved. So anytime you get the opportunity to play with those guys and be coached by those guys, it's such a pleasure, you know what I mean? It's just trying to get in there and have an impact you know what I mean like try to help the team win obviously they've had a great experience the last couple of years being in the small country championships and now into the Euro Cup qualifiers that I mean it's just coming in and wanting to help I mean like I want to represent Ireland just as much as everyone else in that training session wants to represent Ireland so just trying to come in and have an impact and, and help and try win in any way that I can so just great to be back involved I'd love to get the green jersey on again haven't done so played I got my international debut with the seniors in 2019 before COVID even happened, you know what I mean? So it would be great to get back involved now and, and get the green jersey on again. And then in terms of heading over to Gibraltar, I mean, that was kind of sprung on me kind of out of nowhere. Um, in fairness, Jordan did a great job kind of putting me in contact with them. Um, but essentially, it's, it seems like it's a, a summer league, essentially. It was meant to be a month-long thing. It's going to be a week-long thing, you know what I mean? You get your flight accommodation paid for and you get a few quid and stuff like that. And then there's a prize money as well. So... For me, it's just experience. Like it's going to be a roster of sixty players who all have some sort of professional experience or international basketball experience. So I think going over there and just competing against those guys is going to be great. And then, it, I mean, it's my first taste of professional basketball, which is obviously a long-term goal. So I'm just looking forward to that and that experience and seeing how I can compete over there. Out of interest with the Irish senior men's team, you obviously played in 2019 and you, you're practicing with the team now. How big of an evolution have you seen within the team, whether it's watching the, the games, obviously from last summer, the Eurobasket pre-qualifiers. Have you seen much of a transition within the team and, and getting in now? What's the difference like between 2019 and, and 2022? Yeah, I mean, I feel like even just winning the small countries kind of put a notice on it that like, okay, like this is a serious team. Like we're not trying to be, we're not just here to, you know what I mean, playing these games and like we're trying to win. We're coming into every single game with the expectation that we can win. Um, obviously, we have Switzerland and Austria um, the end of this month coming into July and it's like our focus is absolutely to win those games. Whereas in previous years, you know what I mean, a lot of guys are looking for experience and we just weren't really, tough to say, like on the level of some of these countries, you know what I mean? Whereas now I think we've got the players in, we've got the coaching staff in, really high level team that we think we can compete with absolutely anybody. So it's kind of an exciting time to be involved with something like this where the mentality is like, let's let's go and win every game that we can play in. You know what I mean? So it's just really exciting to be back around that. And I think it's it's such a positive thing for basketball in this country that we've got a team that are of that level. You know what I mean? So I think the next couple of years, and we're still, still such a young team, like for the most part, you know what I mean? So 
think it's an exciting time to be to be involved and just an exciting time for the men's team absolutely i asked a couple of people for for questions and one of them i came back was what was your plan for next for next season i know obviously the the aspiration is to play professionally but for next year what are your plans um so right now i'm, I'm gonna do a master's um i graduated with a business and marketing degree in the united states so i'm planning on doing a digital marketing degree now in tv get my master's done which is a one-year program which is ideal and um i haven't made a decision yet on a club so we'll uh We'll leave that for a few more weeks, but I'm hoping to have something set here soon and I know where I'm going to be playing at. Okay, brilliant. We're going to move on to the sideline seven. It's the same seven questions at the end of every episode. At question one, what is your favourite quote? Uh, favourite quote? That's tough. Um, I don't know who said it originally, but I remember Ricky Rubio saying, and it kind of stood with me a few years ago, it was just like the easiest, never too high, never too low. Like basketball is such a game of like of one minute you're on top of the world, you know what I mean? You're doing this, you're doing that. But like, there's a lot of lows, especially with college basketball, you're playing so often, playing every day, just being able to try to keep some level of consistency. Like, and it's like, if I had a bad workout, I've got another one in a few hours. I don't want to let the last one affect the next one. And then if you had a great workout, you can't come into the next one complacent. It's just trying to keep that level-headedness, that steady, consistent, always working, like looking to improve. And it really is a progression at the same time. Like you're never, there's no perfect player in the world. Like there's literally not a single player that's, that's perfect and that's why it's such a great game it's like there's always an area you can improve in there's always something you can be doing to get better so trying to play through the highs and the lows to question two what's the best sporting event you've been to and you can pick one as a fan and one as a player uh, that's tough um when i was like 10 i went to see manchester united play in old trafford I'm not, i don't even watch soccer anymore like at all like literally not even i couldn't even watch i'd barely watch an ireland game these days like but I saw Ronaldo score a goal and I was 10 years old. Like, it was unreal. Like, I mean, that was my first big team. Like, I wore 10 growing up because I loved Wayne Rooney. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just, I was a big uh, soccer fan growing up. So, that was that was huge. Um, or I've seen, I've been to a good few NBA games. One that kind of stands out, I saw the Mavs play the Heat last year. I just happened to have really good tickets. Like, I was down there, the thing, place was packed out. Like, Doncic, Jimmy Butler, like all of them. So, that was just a great game to be had in the atmosphere and that's Alistair and it's incredible. Um, and as a, I mean, it's not like the cliche answer, but it's just anytime you get to play for Ireland, like the feeling of like standing there, jersey on, like name on your back and hearing the national anthem play for the game, like it's just, it doesn't get old. You know what I mean? Like every time it's just such a pleasure to, to be representing your country. So it's any time that I've got the chance to do that. Brilliant. That's a staple answer, I think, across all episodes is representing mm-hmm. your country. Um, mm-hmm. Question three, what's the best or the biggest setback or challenge so far in your career and how did you react to it? Um, it was definitely having those surgeries. Like I've been really lucky all the way through. Like That's my only major injury to like any level of sport. Um, I've never broken a bow, never anything like that. So I've been very lucky, but I was definitely a setback and it was my first time going through a real like rehab process. Um. So that was, it was just, it was just a learning experience and it was tough and it was trying to take those small wins. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I can jog today. Today I can get this much flexion out of my leg. Like just small things that you take for granted when you're playing every day that it's like, okay, like I have to earn, earn the, the right to play again. You know what I mean? So that was definitely a setback for me. Fantastic. Uh, question four, what's been the biggest achievement then on or off the court? Kind of the flip side of the previous answer. Um, On the court, I'm just going to go the same way again. I mean, my first cap for Ireland, like I was, under, especially after not making those under 15 and 16 teams I think when I got on that under 17 panel and um, just being able to play for the first time was like okay like I've I've clearly made that jump and I've I've deserved to be at this level you know what I mean so that was a uh, one for me and then what was the second part of that question uh, on or off the court it oh, off the court um off the court I think it's just graduating college um especially like when I the credits I needed to, fin- to needed to have to finish, like I graduated with like a three point four nine GPA or something. So, someone who had the amount of credits I was facing, you know what I mean? Like it was it was no easy path. Uh, question five: What advice would you give your eighteen year old self? Um, I'd say just to relax and, and enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like it's very easy to get caught up in like what you're doing next. You know what I mean? It's and especially as an athlete and as a basketball player, like I'm sure most of us experience that. It's like okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? I've done this. You know what I mean? But sometimes you just need to take a moment and just appreciate where you're at. And I mean, cliche, like, but just live in the moment a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm very much here. I'm having fun around great teammates, great friends, and just, like, appreciate each place that you're at instead of waiting for what's to come. 
brilliant. I, there was a Basketball Ireland interview and you had a really good answer for tips um, for aspiring basketball players. And I really liked the part where you said, have confidence in how hard you work. Because mm-hmm. I think just kind of building that confidence, obviously from the amount of training and preparation you've put in, is that kind of where your confidence stems from is kind of that preparation you've put in the hours and hours in the gym for the years and years you've been training. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if it was a situation where I had a game coming up and I'd spent the last week sitting on the couch, like it's impossible to go into that game as confident as you can be, you know what I mean? So when you put in the work, like you just know you've done what you've needed to do and it's having that confidence in your ability that's like, okay, I'll put the work in, but I'm always capable of playing at whatever level it is I'm playing. I'm having that confidence that you belong in any game that you're in. That I think... Um, is what can you can stem a lot of confidence from that question six who is your dream dinner guest and why and you can open up the table to a few people if you want um i could just list nba players which is oh, let me let me get outside of that um i go i think mark cuban would be a good one i was like a businessman who's kind of transitioned into like the, the sporting world a bit um musicians i probably go like j cole jay-z maybe two hours i like a lot and then i don't know maybe some actors like like Morgan Freeman, Matthew McConaughey, like something like that. But I mean, there's the obvious answers like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, like those kind of guys. But I mean, I feel like they're every basketball player's dream dinner guest. Yeah, true. Have you listened to the Old Man and the Three episode with Mark Cuban? I have, yeah. I actually really like uh, JJ Reddick's podcast. I think he does a real good job. And then having like a former player's perspective, like obviously the NBA media is so swayed by like these big media outlets that like having a former player that has a real insight and asks like real questions and like has like can resonate with the answers you know what I mean and, and further those conversations on I think is really good so no I'm a big fan of JJ's podcast yeah it's very good a uh, final question before I let you go you've been so generous with your time if your life was a book what chapter would this be called that's such a hard question um I don't know like I feel like coming home from the states and like obviously still having this um professional aspirations I'd probably call it like an interlude maybe um Obviously, like you're, I think there's a, a J. Cole song where it's like you can kind of put yourself in these situations and it can go very much two ways. Like I've obviously had my time in the US and I'm back in Ireland. It can very much go up and go down from here. So just trying to stay focused, have the consistency and continue to work hard that I can continue to level up from where I'm at. Brilliant. If there's any younger players listening that want to get in touch and ask you further questions about the States or any of your experience, where's the best place to find you? Um, either Instagram, Twitter whatever it may be but like my dms are absolutely always open to any kid that are even whether it's go to the states or even game next week and you want to work out and get some shots up like just yeah shoot me a text let me know always happy to help brilliant matt thanks so many for coming on the podcast and best of luck moving forward absolutely thanks for having me a big thank you to matt for joining me on the podcast today and for sharing the ups and downs of his journey i'll be sure to leave all of the social media links in the description box below if you are enjoying the podcast, I'd really appreciate if you leave a rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as it does help the show grow. Don't forget to check out our social media at The Sideline Live for more. As always, thank you for listening.